Hello, and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you stay focused on Christ's mission for you. On the night before he died in the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord pled with the Father, If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus pled with the Father to make a way so that he would not have to go to the cross. But God said, No. God refused to rescue Jesus from the suffering he would endure. Many times our God refuses to rescue us from the painful difficulties and trials he has ordained for us. Why? For the same reason he didn't rescue Jesus. This episode examines this reason, which points to God's purpose for us. Better understanding that purpose can draw us to God when his path takes us through daily difficulties instead of pushing us away from him. Thanks for joining us today for Season 2, Episode number 59 of Mission Focus Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle. The way Jesus poured out his feelings to his Heavenly Father is a model for the way we need to honestly take our feelings to God, especially when it hurts or we're afraid. Stuffing our feelings may seem macho, but in contrast, the godly manhood displayed by Jesus was honesty with God about what he was feeling. It's also an example to us of the way God sometimes says no to our prayers. God knew it was better for Jesus, his beloved son, to endure the agony of the cross. Paul tells us that the final step of going to the cross was to complete Jesus' obedience to the Father. Philippians 2.8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Last week, our podcast closed by reminding us of the familiar promise of God in Romans 8.28, which is based upon God's goodness. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But we can't understand how painful trials and daily difficulties can possibly be for our good unless we know God's purpose for our lives. That purpose is revealed in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, where we read, God's will is to make you holy. God's plan is to restore his covenant people to godliness. The promise of Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good can only be understood by continuing to the next verse, Romans 8.29. There we find out that God's purpose is to conform us to the image of Christ, to become Christ-like in character. This purpose is the reason this podcast defines our calling as not only to Christ— and to exercise dominion for Christ over every sphere of our lives, but also to become like Christ. There's one book of the Bible that is 100% devoted to teaching us how to be like Jesus. It was written by the one biblical author who knew Jesus far better than any other writer. This writer watched Jesus live out righteousness 24-7, 365 days a year, for probably 25 years. 
That author is James, the brother of Jesus. With the exception of Jesus' mother Mary, no one could tell us more about being like Jesus than James, who ate at the same table, slept under the same roof, and watched perfection in the flesh while sitting in his own house. Though James does not give us the theology behind that lifestyle that we are called to live, Paul tells us that we can become more and more like Jesus through the Holy Spirit's work in us, producing the fruit of godly character, like love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. So let's turn to James 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything." Interestingly, the first issue James addresses in his book about being like Jesus is how to handle everyday difficulties and trials. Perhaps that was because his letter is addressed to the Hebrew Christians who had been dispersed fleeing persecution. But still, the very first thing? Could it be that when James thought about what it meant to be like his brother Jesus, The very first thing James thought about was the way Jesus responded to everyday difficulties. And notice the impossibly high standard. James doesn't just say, stop complaining about difficulties. He says, count them joy. I'm certain my sanctification is falling short of Christ's standard all across my life. But I'm not sure I look less like Jesus anywhere in my life than in my attitude towards difficulties, frustration, and trials. Count them joy? My attitude is much more like Alexander's in Judith Vorst's Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. For example, when it came to eating lunch at school, Alexander explains, there were two cupcakes in Philip Parker's lunch bag. And Albert got a Hershey bar with almonds, and Paul's mother gave him a piece of jelly roll that had little coconut sprinkles on the top. Guess whose mother forgot to put in the dessert? Things weren't much better by dinner time. As Alexander continues, there were lima beans for dinner, and I hate limas. There was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing. My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain. And I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. I hate my railroad train pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep. And the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out. And I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony, not me. It's been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. I'm sure everyone listening to the podcast has had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. In fact, maybe you've had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad year. Life in a fallen world is very trying, full of frustrations, irritations, disappointments, and people who don't do what they're supposed to do, with the fallout often being blamed on us. And it seems like it's in the midst of such trying days that God lets other disasters come our way. Our natural response to the frustrations of life is anything but joy. So let's examine this command in some detail. 
First, consider it pure joy. The Greek word consider or count is hegeomai. At the root, the word means to set the direction of your mind. It is used in Philippians 2.3. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And Philippians 2.6. Christ did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The word describes the process of choosing your perspective, deciding upon your attitude. So the key to responding to trials, says James, is choosing your attitude. This word reminds me of the quote from Viktor Frankl mentioned two weeks ago that the last freedom a human has is to choose his attitude. Here is a profound secret about attitude. It results from choosing your perspective, how you see something. Author Elizabeth Elliot illustrated this truth in a writing class I took from her. She said that in her first marriage, she found herself irritated by her husband Jim's snoring. No CPAP machines back then. But then Jim was killed. What she heard at night then was awful silence. When she later remarried, she said her husband's snoring was a sweet, sweet sound in her ears. Perspective changes attitude. Same irritating snoring, different attitude. Zig Ziglar illustrates the same principle. How you choose to view something totally changes your attitude. After a very draining morning, he was extremely anxious to get back home to Dallas. He barely made it to the airport on time. When he reached the head of the line, in his words, the ticket agent looked at me and smiled and said, the three o'clock flight to Dallas has been canceled. To this, I enthusiastically responded, fantastic. When I said that, the ticket agent, with a puzzled look on her face, asked, Now, why in the world would you say fantastic when I've just told you the three o'clock flight to Dallas has been canceled? I smiled back at her and said, ma'am, there are only three reasons why anybody would cancel a flight to Dallas, Texas. Number one, something must be wrong with that airplane. Number two, something must be wrong with the person who's going to fly that airplane. Number three, something must be wrong with the weather they're going to fly that airplane in. Now, ma'am, if any one of these three situations exist, I don't want to be up there. I want to be right down here. Fantastic. Your perspective determines your attitude. And how you look at something is a choice. James is commanding us to look at our frustrations and trials from the right perspective, which he says brings joy. Can the right perspective actually turn something painful into something that is positive? Yes, it happens all the time. Colon cancer runs in my family. Last time I went through a colonoscopy, the nurse was surprised that it didn't bother me at all. Why not? This kind of procedure, although it was actually a proctoscope back then, found a tumor and saved my father's life. Or the classic example... A woman, especially one who has had great difficulty getting pregnant, who must go through the agony of childbirth, but whose pain is swallowed up by the joy of holding her baby. Anyone who works out, who knows the pain of another rep or another mile when muscles are screaming stop, understands this principle. When I view pain from the perspective that it is helping me achieve my goals, 
I can actually become glad for the pain. In fact, there's even a part of us that sees overcoming the pain as a challenge. That is the perspective that James tells us we need to have toward trials if we would be like Jesus. In essence, James' message in these three verses is, you can even be joyful in the midst of trials when you remember their end result. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God wants us to not just show Christ-like character once in a while. His goal in every Christ-like quality he builds into us is perseverance in that attitude. Character is your characteristic attitude even under stress. God doesn't just want us to love. He wants us to be able to keep loving when no love is returned, when we are hurt, or when we're spent from giving and giving and giving to another. God doesn't just want us to be patient with others, controlling our temper. He wants us to control our temper when everything has gone wrong all day, and then someone does something that really ticks us off. God doesn't just want us to respond to a trial with faith. He will keep testing and testing and testing our faith because he wants a faith in us that will persevere. That's James' point. How do you know God is working on your perseverance? Well, that's easy. You feel like quitting. You want to give up. You want to bail out. You feel so defeated, you don't want to try anymore. But that's precisely the time not to quit. That is when God is really accomplishing his work in you. Persevere. Stay with it. Don't give up. God will not test you beyond your ability to endure. That's his promise. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Relief will come in his perfect time. And remember, quitting is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. James continues in verse 4, telling us that it is only when God has repeatedly tested us and built into us the ability to persevere that he has achieved his ultimate goals for our lives. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is the gain that James says is worth the pain that we become mature, that we become complete, that we are not deficient. Let's look at each of these prizes that we win through persevering through God's process for Christ-like character formation. First, so that you may be mature. The word is also translated perfect or complete. The Greek word is teleos, which signifies an end accomplished. So what is the chief end of man? As the Westminster Confession of Faith Shorter Catechism reminds us, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. These two purposes are accomplished by persevering through the trials that make us more Christ-like. First, the more Christ-like we become, the more we glorify God. By this is my Father glorified, said Jesus, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Second, trials and frustrations that bring out the true attitudes in our hearts and make us depend upon Christ more drive us to him for his strength. We put our roots down into him even further. 
I'm told that a tree planted in a rainforest is never forced to extend its roots downward into the soil in search of water. Consequently, it remains poorly anchored and can be toppled easily by a windstorm. In contrast, a mesquite tree lives in the harsh, dry desert. It can only survive by sending its roots deeper and deeper into the soil, sometimes as much as 30 feet deep. Like the mesquite tree, adversity causes us to put our roots down deeply into the Lord, who is the vine. The deeper our roots go into the Lord, the richer our lives become. Reason number one for choosing joy in trials is that only trials can bring about maturity by which we glorify God and enjoy a deep relationship with him. Verse four continues, so that you may be complete. The Greek word used here, which I won't try to pronounce, means entire or perfect in every part. It is used of an animal that is fit to be offered to God as a sacrifice. And it is also used of the priest who is fit to serve a holy God. The overall idea is one who is pleasing to God. Reason number two for choosing joy in trials is that they bring about the character that is even more like the character of Jesus. Our Heavenly Father wants to look into the attitudes of our hearts and see a reflection of His Son. We can give Him that pleasure. The third goal mentioned in verse 4 is that we have no deficiency, not lacking anything. God does not want deficient followers of Christ. In context, the implication is that unless you have the ability to persevere in a godly attitude, you are deficient. What Jesus is saying is that if you can love in the face of unreturned love a little bit, but not persevere, you're a deficient follower of Christ. If you can get up early to meet God a few times, but you can't persevere to make it a habit, your self-control is deficient. If you can handle life usually with patience and inner tranquility, that's good. But the real test is crisis. If you can't trust Christ, then there is a deficiency in your character. This word deficiency may seem derogatory to you. It does to me. But you know what? I think that's just the way it is intended, because most of us are motivated to overcome our deficiencies. The only way we can do that is to surrender to the process of experiencing frustration and trials and difficulties, building Christ-like character and finding joy in the process. So what does Jesus' unanswered prayer to be rescued from pain teach us? That God's purpose is godly character. Even Jesus went through the most severe of trials to test his obedience to the Father. But James also seemed to know something else about Jesus that the author to the Hebrews also noted. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured a cross. He focused on the end result. James teaches us that joy is an attitude that results from our perspective on the end result of trials. So what James is saying is this, if you want more than anything for your life to glorify God, 
If what you really want in your life is to have your roots down deep in Christ and to walk intimately with him, if in response to God's love for you, you most want to please him in every possible way, if you really want to overcome your deficiencies as a representative of Christ to others, The trials that test your faith and build your character will bring joy to you because these four ultimate goals can be reached no other way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. To summarize this episode, as we continue our series, A Closer Walk with Jesus, we realize that one of the hits that our closeness to Christ takes is prayers that go unanswered, especially prayers for relief from pain in our life or that of a loved one. God's answer of no to Jesus' prayer to avoid the agony of the cross can give wisdom about why God refuses to stop us from having to endure trials. God's purpose is to build and test godly character. Just as Jesus' submission to the cross tested his obedience to the Father, our trials build and test our godly character. God's promise to us in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, only makes sense in view of the next verse, which explains that purpose, to conform us into Christ-like character. James says that when we understand that building such character can only happen through trials, those trials themselves can become a source of joy because they alone can enable us to accomplish what we most want, to glorify God by bearing spiritual fruit, to enjoy God because the roots of our relationship are deep, to please God, and to excellently represent Christ to others. For further prayerful thought, number one, what are the chief obstacles that keep you from choosing to be positive about irritations and frustrations that God is using in your life to make you more Christ-like? See your show notes for additional questions. Today's podcast, as all podcasts are, is available in printed format on my website, forgingbonds.org. Also on this homepage is a link to an index of past podcast series and episodes that you might want to listen to when you have a chunk of free time. This index link is also in the show notes of every podcast. Next week, we complete our series, A Closer Walk with Jesus, by examining how a better understanding of God's nature as our Heavenly Father can draw us into a deeper walk with him. Thanks for listening today. If this podcast has been helpful to you, don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission from Christ by equipping them and hopefully inspiring them each week while they commute or work out.